Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Luke is the second gospel, so in the New Testament, third gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. This Advent season, we're paying careful attention to the repetition by which the angels made appearances to people and they were startled, they were afraid, they were deeply troubled or gripped with fear or terrified. And the refrain that was given every single time was this, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And so last week we saw the angel's appearance to Zechariah and he was gripped with fear. Something that you can't just let go of by saying, don't worry. Zechariah was gripped with fear. And Gabriel, the angel, told him, do not be afraid. This week, the angel Gabriel will appear to Mary. And she will be deeply troubled or greatly troubled, depending on your translation. And the angel will say to her as well, do not be afraid. Those four words, do not be afraid, go so well with Emmanuel, the meaning God is with us. And so I invite you to put yourself in Mary's shoes this morning as you hear these words, whether it be for the first time or the 50th time, what it's like to have the startling appearance of an angel when you're going about your daily life, when everything seems normal. And to think, why would she be greatly troubled at what the angel has to say? And perhaps as we prepare our hearts, we consider, what are those times when good news has not felt like good news in the moment? Or when what we're told does not have enough certainty to keep us comfortable? Whether it be ambiguity. I'm having a hard time this morning, folks, but... God's Spirit will be faithful. Whether it be the ambiguity of a medical condition that leaves us wondering and waiting for good news. Whether it be a cancer diagnosis where the prognosis is good, but it doesn't feel like good news. Whether it be knowing that our loved one is in heaven, spending Christmas with Jesus this year, but it doesn't feel like good news because of the pain we have. Or a prisoner who receives a a minimum sentence can be good news, but it doesn't feel like good news. We have all kinds of different ways in which we can be deeply troubled, greatly troubled. And yet Mary has a great lesson for us in Advent, a season of waiting, of expectation, and of trust. So as we turn our attention to Luke 1, 26 through 38, let's pray for God's Holy Spirit to bless the reading of the word. God, we need you this morning. We need you every morning when we wake. We need you for every breath. We need you for every moment of uncertainty. We need you for the trials that we face on this earth. We need your Holy Spirit to remind us that we are not alone and that we do not need to be afraid. We need your Holy Spirit's presence to illumine the word to us, to help it make sense to us in our hearts and in our minds. We need you, Holy Spirit, to go with us from this place, that we can live into the good news and that we 
just like you strengthened Mary by faith, that we may also be strengthened in our faith to hold such words as may your word to me be fulfilled. Lord, fulfill your word to us this morning in the power of your Holy Spirit, through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Luke 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I know there's a lot of controversy right now around Christmas songs. And I know people get very touchy very quickly when something that we love is critiqued. And there's no quicker way to be accused of being a Grinch than to lay criticism towards a Christmas song. Um, Right now, Baby It's Cold Outside is getting a lot of flack for its kind of potentially creepy-sounding lyrics. It's also getting a passionate defense for that's just how people talked. We're not going there. But the argument is strong, and people get in trouble quickly. And uh, you get labeled as a Grinch pretty quickly. I have a little bit of critique for some Christmas songs And I just want to ask for your trust that I am not the Grinch. And if I am the Grinch, if I'm the best Grinch you can come up with, then we're in pretty good shape, I think. But one song, um, going years back, I don't know where exactly it started to bother me as a kid, um, but one song that just always kind of irked me is The Little Drummer Boy. And I don't really know where this came from because it's a great song, it's actually very catchy, and I'll tell you why I like it, and so we're going to make, we're going to get back up to where we like it, Uh, but first we're going to go into the valley for a second. So let's start with our love and appreciation for a catchy tune, orientation, we're going to go to the disorientation of uh, maybe what's ugh about it, 
Um, and just rest assured, we're going to make the full swing. We're going to get back to a, a reorientation and appreciation of it. My main beef with Little Drummer Boy is if you have a newborn, you do not want percussion instruments anywhere near a child. I mean, isn't this common sense? Having two, ki- two little kids, like, no, no, that's not what we want at all. We want things quiet. We need to sleep. We're very tired. Our emotions are getting just a little bit frayed, much less because we know the pressure of raising the Son of God, says Joseph and Mary, knowing that in a few years they're going to, you know, forget their kid at the gas station, essentially, when they leave Jerusalem and they left Jesus behind. So no, in those early months, they do not need someone coming in with a drum and drumming next to a sleeping child. Now, Let's hold on to that for just a second. My biblical um, piece on this is shepherds, because there's no drummer boy specifically in Scripture. Shepherds, though, did have instruments, but they tended towards string instruments um, and flutes that they could carry with them, or basically recorders like we think of them, so that they could get their sheep to follow them. Now, there's maybe my angst, and I just don't like singing rum-pum-pum-pum. Maybe that's where it really came from. But holding on to the sentiment of the song, the direction of it, is the gift that you have, if used well and faithfully, can bless God. Do you remember a few weeks ago when Caitlin was preaching about hashtag blessed? And the reminder piece at the end is is our faithful response. We are blessed by God, but in faithful response, we can, in fact, bless God. And that's the sentiment of the little drummer boy, is whatever you have, whatever you have to give, whatever talent you can offer, whatever it is that you have can be used to bless God. And it is a catchy tune. But any rendition of it that doesn't actually have percussion instruments just loses the point. But then there's the other song, one that has, um, once again, a twofold piece, something left to be wondering, something very obvious, but also something very meaningful. Mary, did you know? Yes. Yes, she knew because of the text that we just read. In Luke 1, 26 through 38, Gabriel tells Mary a lot of what is going to happen. And so the initial rhetorical answer to Mary, did you know, is yes. If you read your Bible, you will know what Mary also did know. Now, once again, the song is beautiful. And here's why I think it actually has great meaning for us as we follow Mary's story during this Advent season. Mary, did you know, has some questions that we know she knew the answer to. But then also, it has some specific details looking back over Jesus' life that Mary had no way of knowing. She couldn't have known to every last detail what kinds of miracles Jesus would perform, what signs of the kingdom would be put on display for God's glory, and to show the people, as we just sang, that the world is about to turn, that something monumental and big was happening. Friends, Mary did know quite a bit. She knew that her baby boy would be the deliverer. She's called to name him Jesus, which means the Lord is salvation. Salvation and deliverance go hand in hand. There is much that she knew, but much that she couldn't have known. But some of the things that Mary 
couldn't have known. Some of the things that would be greatly troubling for her was nowhere in Gabriel's account was she told that she would watch her son be crucified. Nowhere was she told that he would be rejected and betrayed. And even before Gabriel gives the full explanation, when Mary is greatly troubled, she has reason to be greatly troubled looking ahead, to know that she will have an unexpected and unexplainable pregnancy before she's married, that her and Joseph will be the talk of the town for a while, that they'll probably have some social ostracism, and some people probably will never believe them, that this is what really happened. Mary is greatly troubled. But even before Gabriel says any of that to Mary, Scripture tells us that Mary is greatly troubled even just by the words that Gabriel said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Isn't this good news? Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Why would you be greatly troubled at hearing those words? There is the initial being startled by the appearance of an angel. But also, I think Mary deserves a lot of credit in Scripture for her perception for her connecting the dots of Jesus' life from what she knew of the Old Testament. And I think one thing that Mary knows is that throughout the Old Testament, as we read through from Genesis to Malachi, when the Lord is with someone, when someone receives a call from the Lord that God is with them and that they are highly favored, it does not always mean an easy road ahead. It's meaningful. It is good It is benevolent for the sake of the world, but it is not a road exempt from pain. It is not a task that people are often called to that is exempt from suffering. And so although there is great joy and meaning and purpose, there will be bumps and bruises and tears and hurt along the way. Mary, who is greatly troubled, thinking into the New Testament of someone like the Apostle Paul. We think, what would it be like to be filled with God's Holy Spirit, to be sent out as this pioneering missionary, to bring the good news of the gospel to the world? And yet that also included being shipwrecked and beaten and stoned and ostracized and lied about. All of these things were present as well. There is some things that Mary could have known She knows that this special calling does does not mean that life will always be happy and euphoric. Could she have known all the miracles that Jesus would perform? Certainly not. Even if she did know passages like Isaiah 35, which talk about the joy of the redeemed, in which the prophet Isaiah writes, then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue will shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Jesus performed some of those very signs among God's people, signs of the kingdom. But Mary couldn't have known all of those in detail. 
What Mary could and couldn't know, though, is part of why she's such a great lesson to us. Because her response is the same. She is greatly troubled, and the angel offers her assurance, do not be afraid. But then her final response to Gabriel is, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant, meaning I am not my own, but I belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Lord and Savior. She says, may your word to me be fulfilled. This is an expression of humility and an expression of trust. Not a pleading, for God, will you please make life easier? Not a denial that God doesn't have the ability or power to make things happen the way God described them, but a statement of humility, of servanthood, and a declaration of trust. May your word to me be fulfilled, even if there's things about it that I don't know. Friends, it is good news that Mary is given, and it is good news that is born into the world when the word took on flesh. And Gabriel tells Mary enough that she knows this is something special and spectacular and different. And, and Luke, as, as one of the gospel writers, is very clear with us that we know and understand that this is something different. Because in Mary's time, there were lots of stories of, of gods, of Greek-Roman gods, coming and having babies with people on earth. And Luke's writing in this gospel makes it so clear that this is different. This is different from those myths. This is something that the Lord, the God, the creator of the universe, the one true God, this is something that God is doing. And this is good news. But it's a heavy burden to carry. Friends, we have heavy burdens to carry, even as people of good news. It's a long week ahead. For several families here, for the Baumans, the Hookstras, the Longfields, and the Packards, it's a long road ahead for the Westhouses and Cummins. We look to the next year, we know it'll be a long year for Crystal Slider and her family, for Jacob Feek and his family. It's a long road ahead. And we hold good news, but that doesn't always make life easy. We have the good news with the advantage of hindsight, of understanding just what it means from verse 32 that Jesus will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and that the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, that he will be a king like no other king before and that he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and that his kingdom will never end. To call this child that the, the Lord is salvation. Mary holds on to all of this good news. We too, though we are weeping, we will keep sowing. Though we look to the long roads ahead with what we know and what we don't know, but all of that is under the umbrella of faith that we continue to hold to the good news. 
that we are not alone and that we are not afraid. And just like Mary, in hearing this news from an angel, full of good news and full of burden, we receive a call as Christ's ambassadors. Just as next week we'll think of the shepherds proclaiming to go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere that Jesus Christ is born, that we carry this good news. That it's not always with euphoria, that it's not always easy. And yet the call that we have has deeper meaning than if our lives are comfortable or not. But that God is with us in the midst of suffering. The meaning is greater than just us. And that validates the reminder and the sense of call that it's greater than us as individuals and that we don't do this work alone. Mary holds on to many things in her heart. And then as one of the many people in Scripture, she seems to be someone who's especially introspective. Mary's response to the angel is simple, but then a few other glimpses into who Mary is in Luke chapter 2. After the shepherds visit Mary and Joseph at the birth of Jesus Christ, they hurry off and they go and spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But in Luke 2.19, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. Just as Mary was greatly troubled of wondering what all this means, Mary continues to treasure things in her heart and to wonder what they mean. And in Luke 2, 51, this is after the incident where Joseph and Mary, as a great parental blunder, accidentally leave Jesus. They lose him. They have to go find him. And Jesus seems almost a little snarky with them of, didn't you know that I'd be here in the temple? And then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, Luke 2, 51. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Mary's heart is a treasury of God's words said to her, of interactions with Jesus that she holds on to. I think it matters a lot that Luke gives us this insight into Mary and who she is. To know that even at the moment of crucifixion, to know that there were things that Mary had treasured up into her heart that were things that she held to dearly. We need those to give us strength to push forward when the good news is hard news to carry out. So this Advent season, I ask you to consider prayerfully with time and space in the quiet morning, what are the things like light and darkness that you treasure in your heart? Moments of good news that you hold on to that fuel us for the road ahead. Sometimes it's hard to see and there's a lot that we don't know. And it does seem unseasonably foggy this week. And I made a comment yesterday and Friday twice in a row, to Caitlin, it's so foggy that in the parsonage, I can't even see the pole barn. 
And then it dawned on me. I was kind of complaining. I mean, the fog didn't really affect me. I was just kind of, I don't know, grouchy that it was foggy for no real good reason. It's so foggy I can't even see the pole barn. Isn't it amazing that we have one of what's happened this year that God has provided again and again and again? So the pole barn became a little parable for me. The future is something we don't see into with great clarity because we are not God. There's uncertainty. It's like looking down a foggy road. But to know that there's a place in the distance that's waiting for us that was built through God's faithfulness, that the word of the Lord will always be fulfilled. Mary knows that it's foggy. She can't see all that far into the future but she holds on to all the right pieces of what God has revealed to her and the ways in which she has seen God be faithful that she declares in humility and trust, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. In contrast to Zechariah, who said, how can I be sure of this? As if to say, prove it, Gabriel. And Gabriel says, oh, that is not how this works. Instead, Mary says, how will this be? Meaning, will this be, that it will indeed happen. And like looking down a foggy road, she just wants to know, how will this be? How will this be? How will you be this week as we prepare for Christmas, as we look to this road ahead? as we remember that Jesus Christ is the light of the world who comes into the darkness, who dwells among us in our moments of pain, in our moments of grief, and in some of the questions that we don't have good answers to. And yet we trust that the word of the Lord will be fulfilled. That just as Isaiah describes as the prophets foretold and as Revelation so beautifully recaps. God himself will come out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And he will be their people. God, oh man, I'm sorry, friends. God will be with them. And they will be his people and he will be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Every tear from their eyes. For Dave Hookstra, for Howard Bauman, for the Whitfords, for the Packards. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Behold, I am coming and will make all things new. How will this be? It's a foggy road ahead. But we don't look into that foggy road on our own. May it be as you have said, said Mary, and says us. May the word of the Lord be fulfilled. Amen. Let's pray. God, When you show up, 
you call us and you give meaning and purpose to our lives that is bigger than just us, bigger than just our comfort, bigger than just making our lives easy. You fill us with meaning and purpose. Lord, we give you thanks that your words will be fulfilled and that we do not face any of our trials alone, but that you, O God, are with us. You will never leave us or forsake us. And you will be the light, the light unto our feet and the lamp on our path to lead us in your ways. Wipe every tear from our eyes. Make all things new. May your words be fulfilled, O God. Amen.